It is time to talk cars with Trent Nikolich from CarAdvice.com. He will take all of your new car questions. Give us a call, 131873. We do it every week. It's a very popular segment. Trent, thank you so much for joining us. Hello, Nat. Hello, Erin. We've got some interesting data out today, and I'm keen to get your thoughts on this because, of course, you are... I guess, um, with your finger on the pulse when it comes to cars and new cars. That's one way to put it. <laughs> I've been accused of not having a finger on the pulse at all. Well, times, no, well, you've actually. got two hands on the wheel if we're going to use yeah, the right it. analogy. That's now, it. Yeah. The, news lines, uh, the news this morning, the headline was Australians shunned car dealerships in 2019. New motor vehicle sales for the year plunged to their lowest level in eight years. Hmm. What do you think? Yeah, look, I think it's um, I think it's related to a lot of factors, Nat. To be honest with you, I mean, we touched on this on the show a couple of weeks ago. I think before the end of the year, when we said it was a good time to get into dealers and and push for a hard bargain. Um, the number that you're referring to there, so one million and sixty-two thousand eight hundred and sixty-seven new vehicles sold. So that's more than ninety thousand less than 2018, and it's the lowest sales figure since 2011. So I think it shows in fairly stark reality there that the economy is in a position where people probably don't feel like um, you know they should be going out and spending a lot of money on a car and maybe you know property prices had something to do with it as well um, and we say a lot you you girls would have heard me say regularly that uh, you know a car is the second most expensive thing you buy in your life after your house generally for most people anyway um, and it's a pretty big decision Australians don't make it lightly we tend to hold on to our cars for around about six or seven years I think the average is now so we don't just rush out buying cars willy-nilly and I think this probably shows that in contrast to other countries where the economy might be struggling but people just still run out and buy cars on finance and borrow money I think Australians are a little bit more um, careful about that and well you know me I mean my my trade-in was four hundred dollars so you know I'm, I'm the one I'm the one keeping the cars for, for more yeah, than a decade that's um, right. the yeah. other thing you mentioned lending there there have been tougher lending conditions for for homes for properties mm. and of course they've yeah. eased a little bit in the past three months which has helped with this um, upturn in property prices is it similar with buying a car are the banks really strict when yeah, it comes to yeah, lending absolutely yeah they are they're being a lot more strict about it and I think you know a, a lot of it can be traced to what you just said there about the houses even more specifically than borrowing money because a lot of people you know that had um, mortgages that they were well in front of five six seven years ago were just running off to their bank and saying oh look I just want to th- throw a hundred thousand dollars on my mortgage for example and go and buy a new car whereas the banks are a lot more cautious about that now and they're correspondingly a lot more cautious about giving out money um, for people to buy cars as well specifically for car loans and that kind of thing so you know I think um, a lot of the trends that we've seen are no real surprise the sales data overall going down a little bit is no surprise I think the fact that SUVs accounted for a whopping 45 and a half percent market share is no surprise um, passenger cars 29 uh, percent and light commercials about 21%. So there are no real surprises there. And I don't think there are any real surprises that the market was down against 2018. I actually thought, you know, if you'd have asked me, I think it was about 8 or 9% overall, give or take. But if you'd have asked me um, in June or July, I would have said to you that I thought it was probably going to be 12 or 13% right. down from 2018. So it rebounded a little bit. It wasn't as bad as it could have been. 
Okay, well, that's something. 131873, if you'd like to ask Trent a new car question. Trent David's emailed in from Manly saying, Good afternoon, Trent and ladies. I'm wondering what you think about the iDrive product. Does it increase performance as it describes? Is it worth purchasing? I have a 2.3 twin turbo diesel. Now, I have to confess, Trent, I don't know if it's L Drive or iDrive. I'm going with iDrive. I, uh, <laughs> I, I have think, no idea either. I, I, think, I think what he's talking about... Um, and what I might do is, if you're listening in, that was Dave, you said, Natalie? Uh, David, yeah, that? in Manly. David, yeah. If you're, if you're listening in, David, can you just send us an email just to clarify? I think he's talking about the iDrive throttle controller, which is a specific product that you buy to fit generally to four-wheel drives and off-road vehicles, and it makes um, specifically low-speed driving, low-range, um, you know, proper four-wheel driving off-road, makes it a lot easier. So, David, if you could just email us back in and clarify that that's what you were referring to, I'll give you a bit more of my opinion on it. Trent, the Toyota Hilux has coasted to its fourth annual new <laughs> car sales win. Yeah. Is this a trend you think will continue throughout this year? You know, you remember in this in the studio a couple of weeks ago, Erin, you sort of jokingly said to me, you know, I'd drive a ute, I used to drive a ute. Yes, right? it was I, very I think, cool. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, you see, a, you see a female driver go past you in a, in a commercial vehicle and you go, wow, that's cool. Um, she wanted a ute. She's gone out and buy a ute. You, you really, Are you, you know, one of those guys? <laughs> Are you, you one of those got... leerers at the traffic lights? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's no leering, but it's just, you sort of see it. And you, you, expect, you expect to see a tradie driving yeah, yeah, one. Yeah. Or, well, or, see, or mine, in, just I guess for the sake of being honest, it wasn't kind of a commercial vehicle with tools in the back. It was one of those blue Holden YV. V's, I think. Mm, v, Back yeah, at VY. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, see, I yeah. can't even see that. That goes to show how cool I was. Not at uh, all. But yeah, yeah, it was. Um, it was. Well, quite what I was going to say. What I was going to say is, I think that um, female buyers are really starting to push that segment even further forward than it already was because we know tradies and foremen and guys who own businesses are going out and buying dual cab utes. It's no surprise. Hilux and Ranger sales have been going crazy for a couple of years. But what we're seeing, and I'm seeing, you know, driving around Melbourne and Sydney a fair bit, I'm seeing more women driving those utes than I've ever seen before. Uh, and I think, you know, we, we always say that uh, female buyers, especially of cars, are pretty shrewd. Um, and when they start to push a segment along, I think you see, start to see it really pick up momentum. So to answer your question, Erin, I, I don't think we're going to see sales of those things go backwards, certainly not while more female buyers are coming to the segment. And while they still make that sort of statement that blokes like them to make and they keep buying them in the numbers they are, I, I don't think sales will go backward at all. Julie's on the line from Burwood. Good afternoon, Julie. Thanks for joining us. What's your question for Trent? Good afternoon, everyone. Um, we were looking at purchasing a Range Rover Evoque um, every, and probably spending around the mid-60s. And now we're starting to find or read a lot of negative feedback, um, particularly about the diesel, which is what we were looking at. So we're really sort of being shied away from that and we're looking for something else. But I, I just want to know what you suggest in that price range for like a mid-size SUV. Yeah, mid, mid-size and, and obviously with a bit of a focus on luxury. Look, I wouldn't, 
I think it's a little bit unfair to criticise the Land Rover product, the Range Rover product. The new Evoque, the 2020, um, is really, really good. I drove it overseas when they first launched it. We've driven it in Australia since then. Uh, it's a significantly better and improved product from the old Evoque that it replaces. So we like the old one, but this one's even better again. So I wouldn't rule that out. I think the thing you always need to understand with Range Rover product is that the options pricing is, is very, very quick and easy to stack up to a hell of a lot of money. So a vehicle that might start at a list price of $60,000, it's very easy to add fifteen dollars or $20,000 in options to it. So be aware of that. The other vehicles in that segment, though, in that medium SUV segment that you should be looking at are things like Audi Q5, BMW X3, uh, Mercedes-Benz GLC, and then you can even throw the Lexus in there as well. The Lexus um, RX for that kind of money, um, I think, is a really good vehicle as well. So don't count the Range Rover out, but definitely cross-shop it with the other ones in that segment. Thanks, Julie. Dominic's on the line from Croydon. Hi there, Dominic. What's your question for Trent? I'm looking at the Volvo XC40. Uh, I'm not sure about it. Um, what, what do you think? Is it a good vehicle? Mate, it is excellent. In short, um, Dominic, for us, uh, not just for me personally, but for everybody at Car Advice, um, that is our pick of the segment. So I think all you've got to do is work out which specification level you want to buy and then how much money you want to spend. But it consistently rates up near 9 out of 10. It's an excellent vehicle. It's beautifully built. Um, it's lovely to drive. I think the design is really good as well. I think it looks good. But it's just a beautiful thing to drive, and it's got that typical Volvo build quality. And I think one important thing that Volvo have done recently that I think they needed to do is taken a real good look at their service pricing because Volvo servicing was usually traditionally more expensive than the competitors. They've had a look at that. They've told us that they're going to bring that under control and make it more affordable. So I think that was probably the last piece of the puzzle but as far as the XC40 goes on its own, it's a really, really good SUV. I've got to ask you about that, um, Trent, and thanks for the call, Dominic. When you buy a new car and they tell you you have to go and service with a certain person, is there anything that affects the warranty if you don't? Look, that's a real grey area, Nat, to be honest with you. Um, what I think is safest and, and is generally our recommendation at Car Advice is that um, when you buy a new vehicle, I would always take it back to the dealer for the duration of the warranty. So whether the warranty is three, five or seven years, I would take it back to whichever dealer it was that you bought it from. If it's a Holden, take it back to Holden to be serviced and so on. Okay. Um, outside of the warranty period, you can take it wherever you like. There are plenty of service centres, big brand name service centres that do full warranty service um, by the logbook. So you're not going to void your warranty Definitely, if you don't go to Audi, for example, to get your Audi Q5 serviced. Um, but we always recommend that you go back to the manufacturer under the warranty period. And the last thing I'll say on that is if you've got the option when you buy the car of either prepaying for a cap price service schedule or locking in a cap price service schedule, I would do that as well because then you will know over the first you know, 50, 60, 100,000 kilometres how much it's going to cost you for each service. So I would always do that if that's an option. Hey, Trent, is there a market? for a buyer's agent with cars like I used a buyer's agent um, for buying a property mm. could I like 
you know, next in the next, you know, twenty years when I want another new car. <laughs> is, is there a mar- is there a market for actually getting someone like you to go and do all of that negotiating uh, and find well, all that out? There's no market if you're only buying a car once every twenty years. Yeah, but if a lot of it, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. No, you're absolutely right. And there are people that do it. I've got some friends who do it. Uh, there are some ex journalists, so people like me that have worked in the industry who do it. Um, and yeah, there's quite because as we've said before, um, buying a new car can be quite daunting for people, um, and a lot of people who don't like the dealership experience. They just yeah. don't like that to and fro and trying to bargain things down and all that kind of stuff. Um, there is a market for someone who enjoys that process and can help you with that process. And you can find car dealer um, assistants and car brokers, um, uh, I guess what you would call them. You mm. can find them online in each of the states that, that uh, people happen to live in. So I'd research that if you don't love the idea of doing it yourself. Um, David emailed back in to us, Trent, from Manly in Queensland saying, Hi, Trent, thanks for your response. Um, it is the iDrive, the throttle yeah. control product. Yeah, I thought so. And look, I haven't tested it personally myself, David, but I've spoken to quite a few blokes in the off-road space who have, and they reckon they're really good. So I think if you do a lot of low-speed, proper, um, you know, rugged off-roading in mud sand rocks river crossings that kind of thing and you do a lot of towing so if you do if you tow a big caravan or a horse float or a trailer and you do that kind of driving we're having a more um a more direct control over the throttle response will help you i would absolutely have a look at it because i've heard a lot of good things about it from people who use it right now we are talking to trent nicolich from caradvice.com taking all of your new car questions sharon's on the line in brisbane hi there sharon what's your question hi i'm trying to prepare myself for the inevitability that my 2006 kluger is going to require repairs in the future that really aren't worth investing in so Mm. I, I want a similar ride to that, um, and I've so far I've test driven a Rav Four and mm-hmm. a Mazda CX Five, and also the Tucson. Um, okay. And I'm still contemplating test driving a um, X Trail, and I wondered if there was any information you could give me to help me in my decision. Yeah, look, the, the, I've said this a few times. Our callers are pretty well researched. You've basically already considered the best three in that segment um, as far as we see it. The X-Trail isn't far behind them either, so you could definitely have a drive of that. I think if it was me and I was choosing out of those three you've mentioned there, CX-5, RAV4 and Tucson, I'd go with the RAV4 Hybrid. I think that's an excellent vehicle and it's particularly fuel efficient. But the, the caveat there is that they're all good. So I think if you drive all three, and you prefer driving the Tucson to the RAV4, grab the Tucson. If you prefer driving the CX-5, go with that. But they're excellent. But if I was buying one, RAV4 hybrid for me. Thanks, Sharon. Nick's on the line from Maruchador. Nick, what's your question? Uh, well, I asked it a couple of weeks back. I don't know if it's been answered. I'm just wondering why Toyota are not bringing out the uh, four-cylinder petrol hires. Uh, that's a very good question. I, I don't know the exact answer to that, mate, except to say that they probably were concerned that sales wouldn't justify. I think most people are buying the diesel, and then if you need the extra grunt of the petrol engine, you're going for the V6. But I haven't seen any specific comment from Toyota on that, but I would assume it's just got to do with the fact they don't think they'd sell enough of them. Coda's on the line from Glenfield. Hi there, Coda. Hi, how are you going? Good, mate. Uh, just a question. I'm looking at three different cars. Um, I'm looking at the Navara STX. Um, yep. Also looking at the top of the range uh, Camry SL, mm-hmm. 
and I'm also looking at a Kia Sportage GT line. Okay, so three very different vehicles. I guess, what are you actually going to do with it mostly, Coda? Like, day to day, um, what, what will you do with it most of the time? It's most of the time will be family driving. Um, I just thought a Ute, because I'm so used to driving Ute with work. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I like being up high, and I've always mm-hmm. been in a smaller car. I'm upgrading from a Mazda 3 now, so... Mm-hmm. Yep. Look, yeah, I think so. I think if you decide you want to go for a Ute, I think the Navara is probably the best um, family vehicle in that category in terms of driving around without a heap of weight in the tray because it's got coil springs at the rear end. It actually rides really nicely when it's unladen, when it doesn't have weight in it. So I think if you do decide to go for a Ute, the Navara will do really well. Um, I know everyone loves medium SUVs, but I think you mentioned the Camry there. I, I'd go for the Camry if you decide not to go for the Ute. Um, I would go for the four-door sedan and just do something different to everybody else driving around in an SUV. There's nothing wrong with a Sportage. I think it's a really good vehicle. Uh, I've always liked it. tests really well for us. But I'd go for the Navara if you decide the Ute suits you better because, of course, you can tow with that and it's a bit more flexible. If not, go with the sedan. David's on the line from Brisbane. Hi there, David. How are we all going? Good, mate. Um, I currently use... Uh, for work, I'm in a uh, Isuzu D-Max manual, and I'm thinking of changing across to an automatic. And but I've been hearing whispers that the six-speed automatic has a few niggly problems compared to the five-speed automatic in the D-Max. Can you clarify any of that for me? Mate, we've tested a bunch of them, um, and we've never had any issues with it. I know plenty of people that have got Isuzu D-Maxes. Um, that they've been driving for quite a number of thousands of kilometres and they've never had issues with them. So I don't know how reliable um, that information is necessarily. Uh, I've always found in my testing um, for the uh, with the automatic for it to be a good thing. So I wouldn't be too concerned about that. And as long as you follow the service schedule, Isuzu's tend to just go forever. So I wouldn't worry about it too much, mate. Rose is on the line from Fairfield. Good afternoon, Rose. Hi, how are you? Good, Rose. I'm just talking up between the Kia uh, Serato Sports Class and the new next-gen Mazda 3. Oh, gee, that's a tough one. I'm driving a Serato Sport Plus right at the moment, actually, and I really like it. Um, And, of course, you get the seven-year warranty. I think... The Mazda 3 is a newer vehicle, so it's it's a newer platform. It's been redesigned. It's better than the old Mazda 3. Um, The cabin is particularly nice, and it's a lovely thing to drive. So I think the fact that the Mazda is newer, uh, updated sooner, the Serato's been around a little longer, would just tip it over the line to the Mazda. But I really like the Serato, so I could recommend either. It'll probably just depend which one you prefer driving. Mark's on the line from Newcastle. Hi there, Mark. Hello, girls. Hello, Trent. Hello, mate. Um, bought a new Nissan Duales in 2014, um, mainly for my wife as I get a work car, and it's just it's just about to get six years, and I'm wondering what would be the right time to trade or buy another one. It's only got 11,500 kilometres oh, on it. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's like nearly new, brand new, and it's a beautiful, you know, we love the car. You know, mate, new car dealers around Australia will be knocking their heads against a wall when they hear me say this, but I often recommend to people like you that are in that situation, if you've had the vehicle since it's brand new, it's only got 11,000 Ks on it, and you know the service history of it, I would only trade into a new vehicle if there's a whole bunch of new features that you see in the new vehicle that you want, that you don't have in the current one. Because if there's nothing wrong with your current vehicle and it's still doing exactly what you want it to do, it's hard to recommend that someone goes and parts with thirty or $40,000 
just because their vehicle's six years old. I mean, a, a new car with 11,000 Ks on it is nothing. You'd be well within your rights to expect you'd get many hundreds of thousands of kilometres out of that Dualis if you keep servicing it. So for me, you just need to decide whether a new vehicle is going to have a bunch of new features, infotainment, safety, electronics, all that kind of stuff that you really want. Otherwise, I'd be tempted just to keep the one you've got. A couple of quick questions for you, Trent. George in Richmond wants to know about the Mazda diesel. Bad reviews, good reviews? Mazda diesel engines are really good. Do we know which vehicle, Nat, or just Ooh, Mazda diesel in no, general? No, it's just in general. No, it, the Mazda diesel engines are pretty good. Um, as we say with diesel, it's, it's definitely an engine that you use when you're doing longer driving. So if you're only running around town and doing stop-start short drives, go with a petrol engine. Okay, and a quick one, RAV4 Hybrid? Thumbs up, thumbs down? Yeah, love it. There's a wait. There's about a 12-month wait to get one, but we love it. If, if that suits what you need, it's the best vehicle in that segment, so go for it. Trent, thank you so much for your time. As always, really appreciate it. Thanks, Nat. Thanks, Aaron. Chat to you next week. That's Trent Nicolich there from caradvice.com. You can call next week or you can check out their website.